Now, I want to preach to you this morning this simple message out of Luke's gospel, chapter number 14. The Bible says, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consensus consent began to make excuse. And the first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove then I pray thee have me excused and another said I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come so that the servant came and showed his lord these things then the master of the house being angry said unto his servant go out quickly under the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the hither the poor the maimed and the halt and the blind and the servant said lord it is done as thou hast commanded and yet there is room and the lord said unto the servant go out under the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. I'm preaching in this morning on the subject, don't make a mistake and miss out. Don't make a mistake and miss out. I see in Luke's gospel chapter number 14, Jesus in the beginning of this chapter, he has been invited and he comes to eat at the table of a Pharisee. And as he comes and he sits down at this table, there is a man there that is sick. The Bible says in verse number 2, with the drop and Jesus heals this man even though it was on the Sabbath day. And as Jesus heals this man, as you understand in the Scripture, the Pharisees had their oral law or their uh, what they had added to God's law and they didn't believe that Jesus could do this legally. They believed that he was a sinner because he had done this. And so we see that Jesus, here he is, sitting at their table. He heals this man and they get quite upset about it. And Jesus goes through and he begins to rebuke them in a sense for their pride in verse number 11 and then he begins to tell them through these verses an illustration uh, similar to the context of where he's at and what he's doing to tell them that if they don't be careful they're going to miss out my friend I find in these verses in verse number 16 the Bible speaks about a certain man that made a great supper now I see in this verse a master maker and the Bible speaks about that he made a great supper now in these verses I I want you to understand that as we preach through this this morning, this certain man represents God and this great supper represents salvation. I see that a certain man made a great supper. The Bible speaks about this word great in many different places. This wasn't just any supper. This wasn't an ordinary supper, but this was a great supper. The Bible uses this word in other places like Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 13 that we have a great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter number 4 speaks about him in being our great high priest. Then in Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 3 the Bible speaks about our salvation not just being plain old salvation but friend it is so great a salvation and because we have a great salvation because of our great high priest and because of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ we have a great shepherd that leads us in the times that we don't know which way to go and don't know what to do. So the the, the Bible Bible says that a certain man made a great supper. I want you to understand, friend, that he made this supper. This means that he'd done it completely. It wasn't something that just was 
thrown together. But this was a supper that was complete, perfect. It was a supper that had been planned. Some of y'all that are listening today, you understand that for to prepare a great meal, it doesn't just happen. You don't just come in there and just happen to have everything in the cupboards you need. And you don't just happen to have all the ingredients and everything you need to make it come together. But there is a time of planning and preparation that takes place to pull a great meal together. I find that, ladies and gentlemen, the fact that mankind is a sinner and that Adam fell in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter number 3, that did not catch God by surprise. I say that I said this Wednesday night, I want to say it again. Ladies and gentlemen, if the fall of man didn't catch God by surprise, you can rest assured a few months ago when a virus that mutated my friend and caught mankind by surprise, I want you to know that it did not catch the great God of heaven by surprise. Listen, friend, Genesis chapter number 3, the fall of man took place. But my friend, according to my Bible, it was foreordained from the foundation of the world that Jesus would be made manifest in these last times to die for you and for me. Hey, listen, I'm glad that it didn't catch God by surprise because he has planned. He knows what he's doing, thank God. I see this is a great meal that has been planned. It's been prepared. Ladies and gentlemen, the certain man, he had personal interest by preparing this meal for a group of people even though they was going to reject him he still had personal interest in their lives I want you to know that no matter who you are and no matter what you're going through I want you to know this morning that the God of heaven is personally interested in your life you're not just a number you're not just a figure you're not just a statistic to God listen to the bank you're an account number to the government you're a social security number but I want you to know to God you're a somebody you are a soul ladies and gentlemen that God loves and the Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son listen God didn't just love you he so loved you thank God I'm glad that God has taken a personal interest in you and in me just as this certain man took a personal interest to prepare a great supper for these that would even reject him and this certain man to make this great supper took place he had to be willing to pay the cost he paid for the meal he didn't ask for the people that he was going to invite to pay one dime he didn't charge a cover charge when they come in the door but friend the meal was already paid for I want to say this morning the supper representing salvation the certain man representing God I want to say this morning that if you're here and you need to be saved if you're listening you need to be saved I want to say this morning it don't cost you a dime yes there was a cost yes it it did not come free and it did not come cheap but to you and to me it is a free gift because God the Father has already given his only begotten son and he gave his only begotten son while we were yet sinners the price has been paid listen friend you don't have to die and go to hell you don't have to spend eternity in a lake of fire and brimstone the cost for your sin has already been paid for it's been purchased at Calvary forgiveness is taken care of ladies and gentlemen my account that my friend was long overdue was traded at Calvary with the Lord Jesus Christ's account and thank God salvation has been paid for I see that it is a meal that is presented ladies and gentlemen the Bible speaks about verse number 17 a supper a servant going out this meal is presented and it is positioned notice that the excuses that are given in verses number 18 through verses number 20 it's not because they can't come but it's because they will not come might I say this 
this morning. It's not that salvation is not available to you. It's not that salvation is not available to the world. But ladies and gentlemen, it is because you will not come to God. I see in these verses, I see in verse number 17, we see salvation laid out in the fact that there is a great supper, but then we see there is a messenger for the master. In verse number 17, the Bible says, and sent his servant. Now we see the certain man representing God, the supper representing salvation. We see the servant is a picture and a type of the church. Amen. This, the, the certain man didn't go out and do the inviting. He said, he sent out a servant. He done it through his, through the church. And that's the same way with salvation today. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the tool that God has chosen to use to preach the gospel message. We don't have the supper in our pocket. We've seen it. We've been a part of it. We're going there. We're, we're, we're there. But ladies and gentlemen, we've got the message to give to the world. I see that in this verse, the Bible says that he sent his servant. I want to say that that is, that that puts a responsibility on the servant. Ladies and gentlemen, we are a messenger for the master. We are to tell the world that salvation has been planned. It's been prepared. It's been paid for. It's been presented. And ladies and gentlemen, it's positioned where all can receive it. We've got a great message to tell. But because this man in verse number 17 sent his servant, that puts a responsibility upon the servant might I say that in these days church let me preach to you just a minute we've got a great responsibility to let the world know that our God is a great God to let the world know that our God hasn't forgot about us to let let the world know that our God is still God almighty and he is still the answer to let the world know that there is a cure and his name is Jesus we got a responsibility, my friend, a mission. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a, uh, when the, when the great commission was given, it wasn't a suggestion by the Lord Jesus Christ, but rather it was a commission. And so that enables us and, and engages us as people that have been saved by God's grace as a part of the church. We are, my friend, a part of an army that has a mission to tell the world about this great supper, salvation that I'm preaching about this morning. The responsibility of the servant could be categorized in three ways. He was responsible to fulfill his command. He had been sent by the master to go out and bid those to come for the things are ready. The supper is ready. Verse number 17, he had a responsibility number one, to fulfill the command. He had a responsibility number two, to be faithful to the call that had been put on his life. And he had number three, a responsibility to be fervent in his service. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, when I read about this servant, I am encouraged. I am reminded of my mission. I'm reminded of my responsibility. I am encouraged and reminded, ladies and gentlemen, of what we are supposed to do as the church. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no, no description of the circumstances that this servant faced. But understand with me, there's nobody in history that's ever had prime circumstances, I guess you'd say. There's always been a little bit of adversity. There's always been an enemy. There's always been some hardship. But ladies and gentlemen, this servant, nevertheless, despite his circumstance, he still had a responsibility to fulfill his command, be faithful to his call, and be fervent in his servant. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that he had a message to tell. Look with me at the end of verse number 17. His message was, come, for all things are now ready. 
That's still what we're preaching today. Amen. Come, come, come. Noah preached this message. Come under the ark. Moses was told to come to the burning bush. Isaiah had a message to tell. Come, let us reason together, thus saith the Lord. Lazarus was told by the Lord, come forth. Zacchaeus heard a message from the Lord. Come down from the sycamore tree. Jesus give an invitation. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. And then Revelation 22 and 17, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth saith come and let him that is the first come and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. The message is still the same. Come. Come. I want to encourage you that are listening today. If you're not saved, you're not living the way you ought to be living, you're not where you ought to be with God, I want to encourage you this morning. There is a great supper that has been made, been paid for, been prepared, been planned, been positioned, and been presented to you. Come to it, friend. You don't have to come to church to get it. You can get down on your knees right where you're at and humble your heart before God and call out unto Him with a heart full of submission and contrite and humbly. And ladies and gentlemen, on the authority, did God's word. God will honor you and hear your prayer. I find that in these verses, that servant, he not only had a responsibility, but he had a request. He had a message to tell and understand with me the message that this servant was telling at the end of verse number 17, come for all things are now ready. This was a message that was real. Amen. It wasn't a fairy tale. It wasn't something that he had made up for the servant had been with the certain man, had been with God the Father. He had seen the great supper. He had probably even smelled the goodness of it. He had been in there and his appetite had been wet. Ladies and gentlemen, he seen the table spread and everything in place. And ladies and gentlemen, when he went out and he shared that message, it was reality to him. I want to ask you something this morning, those that are listening. I want to ask you, many of you, if we were to ask you if you've been saved by God's grace, you'd say yes. And I want to ask you, when you're sharing the message of the gospel with somebody else, is it reality to you? When somebody begins to tell you how bad things are, can you tell them how good things are in your heart and how good things are with God in heaven because you know in reality in your life that that's true. Amen. Listen, I'm glad about 10 years ago, coming up right now on my 10-year anniversary of being saved. I'm glad, friend, I pulled up to the table. I'm glad I got to meet the certain man by his son, Jesus. And I'm glad that I got introduced to a great supper. I'm glad for the last 10 years I've been partaking of it. I'm glad, friend, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Everything's good. I'm glad there's more to it than I can even begin to explain. I want you to know the message that the church has been preaching for the last 2,000 years that Jesus died for sinners and that he loves you. Friend, I want you to know that it is reality. It's not a fairy tale. But understand with me, though the supper is ready, it's been planned, prepared, paid for. All you got to do is receive it. Understand, there are many that are just like these three different people that are represented in the Scripture. This morning, there's many that are making the mistake of missing out. Listen, friend. If you go to the store today and the meat cooler is empty, if you'll go back in the morning, there's probably going to be some more. Amen. If you run out of toilet paper, amen, there's, there's other means and there's other methods, praise God. Amen. 
But understand with me, if you miss out on this great supper that the Bible's speaking about, if you miss out on salvation, friend, you risk spending eternity in an awful, awful place called hell. There is a worldwide pandemic, ladies and gentlemen, that's been going on since Genesis chapter number 3, and the virus is called sin. Amen. But I've got good news for you. They may not have found a cure for the coronavirus yet. They may not have the vaccine tested and FDA approved. But I want you to know that this virus that has inflicted mankind since Genesis chapter number 3 for several thousand years, I want you to know there is a cure. And that cure has been tried. That cure has been tested. And he's still available today, thank God. I say, friend, don't make the mistake of missing out on this great supper. The Bible speaks in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 22, about some people that were invited to a wedding. And the Bible says they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to merchandise. Friend, don't make light of the fact that humanity in our heart, we're desperately wicked and sinners in need of salvation. Amen. This is the foundation of everything. Amen. Getting right with God. That's the foundation. You want the blessings of God. You want to be able to talk to God. You want to be able to pray and God hear you. Listen, the foundation of it all, it starts with being right with God by being saved by God's amazing grace. I find that in Hebrews chapter number 2, the Bible gives us some strong words. He says, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. I see in these verses, verses number 18, 19, and 20, I see some men that let this supper slip through their very fingers. Number one, verse number 18, the first one, he said, I have bought a piece of ground. He is missing out on the supper because of property. He's missing out on something that is worldly, something that is of this earth. It's a representation of, of, of taking the world instead of taking God and taking the heavenlies. And it distracted him from eternity. Can I say this morning that I believe there are good things that are going to come out of what we're going through right now. I believe that the church is going to come out stronger. I believe there's going to be some good things that are going to come out of a bad situation as to what we're going through worldwide right now with the coronavirus pandemic. I believe it may take some time to see that take place, but I do see some light at the end of the tunnel. Ladies and gentlemen, I see God changing our mentality for the good, amen, and for His glory. God's taking our mind and letting us see that the material things of this life, they are but fleeting. But ladies and gentlemen, understand with me, if we're not careful, we'll get so caught up in the things of this world, even in this hour. We'll get so caught up in what the president's doing and what Italy's doing and what China's doing and what they didn't do. And ladies and gentlemen, we will be distracted from where God really wants our hearts to be, centered and focused upon Him. Amen. I'm talking to church folk. Amen. Listen, friend. If there's ever been a time that the church needs to pray, it is today. For the Bible says that if I send pestilence among my people, Second Chronicles 7 and 13, that's exactly what we're facing is a pestilence. Understand with me, the Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and don't forget this one, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. 
there's ever been a time God's people need to be less distracted by the world and more in tune and focused on God. It is today, church. It is right now. I beg you and I plead with you, if you're listening to me today, friend, if you're distracted by the world, would you turn all that off for a little while? And before you go to bed tonight, would you get down on your knees and bombard the throne room of God on behalf of some people right now that are slipping off into eternity? Listen, Italy had about 800 people, I believe it is, in the last 24 hours that my friend faced eternity. And you know what bothers me about that? That probably the majority of them people didn't know Jesus. Amen. Listen, if it hits America, amen, like it did over there, and I'm praying it don't. But understand with me, friend, when them people began to slip off and we see that news number of deaths go up, understand with me, that's more than just a number on your television screen. Understand that is a soul that just come face to face with their maker. That is a soul that slipped off into eternity. And the majority of them probably don't know Jesus. Amen. So if there's ever been a time that we need to be less distracted, it's today we need to pray, church. Amen. I see a man that missed out on the supper because of property. Friend, don't let the things of this world keep you from Jesus. Number two, I see in verse number 19, I see a man that missed out because he had bought five yoke of oxen. He missed out on the supper because of some possessions that he had. Listen, friend, there ain't nothing in this world that you've got that's worth going to hell over. There's nothing in this world that you've got that is worth being displeasing to God over. Amen. I see number three, verse number 20. Bible says, and another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. I see a man that missed out because of property, a man that missed out because of his possessions, and then last but not least, a man missed out because of the people in his life. Amen. He married a wife. Amen. Some of y'all saying amen right there. Amen. But understand with me, there is power in a friend. Amen. I'm talking about power that can be good, and I'm talking about power that can be bad. We see this through the scripture. Second Samuel chapter number 13. Um, the Bible speaks about uh, a man by the name of Abner. He was the son of David and he had a sister. And, and ladies and gentlemen, you probably know the story. But Abner, he began to look on his sister and he loved her in a way that he should not have loved her. And the Bible says that he was so vexed that he fell sick for her and he desired to lay with her. And the Bible speaks about in Second Samuel 13 and 3 that Abner had a friend whose name was Jonadab. Now Amnon, he may have just let them thoughts go through his mind and never acted upon them thoughts but understand with me, Amnon had a friend by the name of Jonadab that come up with a plan and put that in the mind of Amnon and Amnon followed through with it and it got the whole crowd in a big old mess. There's power in a friend in a bad way sometimes. Amen? Friend, listen, if you're listening these young people listening this morning, I want to encourage you, be careful who you hang out with. Be careful who you let influence you. This is why I preach to our church on uh, about the music that you listen to. I preach about what you watch on television because understand with me, those influences become powerful in your life. And something that might have just been a fleeting thought all of a sudden will become a reality in your life. 
Amen. But understand with me, number two, Bible speaks many times about being careful not to consent with ungodly friends. But there is power in a friend in a good way. Mark chapter number two, we see this. There were four men that were bringing a man to Jesus. That's the kind of friend I want to be. Amen. But listen, what I'm trying to say this morning, the point I'm trying to make is no matter what it is in your life that has been an excuse to keep you from the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know that that's all that it is is an excuse. And understand with me, the supper has been made and this supper is a necessity for our lives. It is necessity not just for life now, but it is a necessity for the life to come. Understand with me that there is a place called heaven. John 14 gives us a great description of it. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Friend, you don't get there by your good works. You don't get there by your good looks. You don't get there by the money in your pocket. Understand with me. They tell me that the millionaires and the billionaires of our society, that they have built underground fortresses and, and places that they can hide if things really go south. I want you to know, friend, that when God goes to looking for them, he's going to find them wherever they are. They won't be able to dig deep enough. They won't be able to run fast enough. Listen, friend, I want you to know Jesus is the answer and he is the way. Come to him. Whatever it is that's been keeping you from him, friend, put that to the side and come be a part of what God has prepared for you. Let me say this and I'll be right now done. God is merciful. Listen, friend, just as this certain man, he, he, he was angered at the fact that these three had rejected, but understand that when he, when he seen their rejection, he told the servant, he said, go out, and he said, get the hither, the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. I see these as a picture of the whosoever's. Whosoever will. And ladies and gentlemen, these that were poor, maimed, halt, and blind, ladies and gentlemen, I don't see where they argued with the servant at all. Amen. Listen, can I say this? I'm going to anyway. I believe that as mercy is ministered in the end of this parable, the mistake of missing it is looming in light of the context. I believe that God is speaking to the world just as he did in these verses. I believe 2020, faced with what we're facing, I've studied on it all week on what these things mean. I've studied and thought prophetically on what they mean. And uh, friend, there's all kinds of different ideas and thoughts out there. But I want to say that I do know this. Out of all that I don't know, I do know this. I know that God's speaking. Amen. God's trying to get our attention. God's trying to let us see and realize that the things that we put so much money into and the things that we put so much time into don't really matter all that much at all. But there is a great supper or a great salvation that is available to you and I that means something. And I see the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind, they didn't have a whole lot, but they didn't argue about coming to supper. Amen. And it might be that God's not only speaking to us, but God's bringing us down a level or two. You listening to me? God's bringing us to a place that we're not going to argue so much anymore. Amen? Think about this with me. There is always in your Bible a warning before there is wrath. Every time. 
God in His mercy, God in His character of love. The Bible says God is love, but God is a God of wrath. Ladies and gentlemen, God cannot look upon sin. God will not let sin go on and on and on for time and for eternity, but sin will be and must be dealt with. But before God pours out His wrath, He always gives a warning. So might it be that this is God speaking to us the United States of America, to the world, to our churches, to us individually. And God's given us a warning and just a little glimmer of a taste of what the wrath of God is really going to look like. Think about this with me. The invitation is still there. The servant is still saying, come, all things are now made ready. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, listen to the call of God. Because understand with me, friend, he's what you need. He's the cure. He's the answer. And understand with me, when we stand at the great white throne judgment, the greatest catastrophe of all of eternity will not be coronavirus 2020. It'll not be the Spanish flu of 1918. It'll not be the two world wars that we faced in our century. Understand with me, it'll not be the Civil War, the Revolutionary War. It'll not be uh, the horrific Holocaust that's taken place. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest catastrophe of eternity will be when we stand at the great white throne judgment and there are billions of souls that march down before the throne of God and God says, you heard the gospel. You heard about my son Jesus and you rejected and you refuse for temporal things. And they're bound, the Bible says, hand and foot, cast into a place of outer darkness, a lake of fire and brimstone for all of eternity. This day will end and another one will come, but friend, eternity never ends. I want to ask you this evening, as you're listening, I hope you're still tuned in. hope you're still paying attention. I want to ask you this evening, are you saved by God's amazing grace? Can you honestly in your heart right now say that beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know that if you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven? Can you say right now that you're going to go to heaven God's way? You're not going on somebody's coattail. You're not going on a religious formality. But you're going to heaven the way the Bible says, through Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you're not, friend... I encourage you to bow your head right where you're at. I'm going to get our piano player to come. They're going to play something softly. And while they begin to play, I want to encourage you to bow your head right where you're at. And if God's speaking to your heart, young or old alike, friend, it makes no difference. Would you humble your heart before God and in your own words pray and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I know that you love me enough to send Jesus to die for my sins. And Lord, I realize that I need him to be my Savior. And I am accepting him as my Lord and Savior in my life. Would you do that right now? Would you, in your own words, from the depths of your heart, pray that prayer. And church, if you're listening this afternoon, hey, this thing's serious. Jesus is soon coming. We're winding this thing down. Hey, it ain't going to last forever. I promise you. But we've been given a mission. We've got a responsibility. And there is a message with our mission. 
to tell the world what Jesus has done for you and me. So church, we may not be able to meet together. We may not be able to shake hands. We may not be able to hug necks. But we still got a message that can be told and can be shared. You've got a Facebook account. You've got a telephone. There's still some people that you see in the midst of social distancing. Would you tell them about the love of God before it's eternally too late? Would you tell them about the great salvation that has been made and been prepared for all of humanity? Oh, friend, that's our job. It's our responsibility. While they play, Jesse's coming right now. He's going to sing a song. Y'all hang in there with us just another minute. I really believe God put that on my heart and I really believe with everything in me there's somebody listening today. You need to do business right where you're at. And those of you that are still tuned in and still listening, you pray because there's other people that are listening, maybe even in your own household, friend that don't know Jesus. There may be some children that sit beside of you today don't know Jesus. Would you pray for them right now? Bombard the throne room of grace and call out their name before God. Hey, some people that maybe you don't even know them, but you've seen on the news where they've been infected with this virus. Pray for their soul. Pray that God will touch them. Pray that they're saved. And pray if they're not, God will send some messenger by their way to tell them the gospel, that they'll get saved by His amazing grace.